Welcome to Fresh Start Church Online. Our mission is to help people find a fresh start through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if we can pray for you or help you in any way. Now here's Pastor Bruce with this week's message. Last week we started this series about how to get through uh, what you're going through. And I really wanted last week, if you didn't get to hear the message, it's, it's online. Uh, but I, I really wanted to kind of lay that foundation. And then today and, and the next several Sundays, we're just going to look at individual stories of different people's lives. Uh, not all people who are, you know, what we think of as heroes of the faith, uh, but people that struggle just like we do. People that go through real problems just like we do. Um, you know, the truth is, if we could go around the room right now and share the biggest concerns that each of us are facing or people we love and care about, family members are facing people, man, we'd all be blown away to learn just how many people go through really, really hard, hard stuff. And that's the case uh, today with this lady named Naomi. Uh, she literally lost uh, everything. And her story isn't really well known because her daughter-in-law kind of became the, the famous one uh, in Scripture. But, but I want us to look at Naomi's story not just because she went through hard times and not just because she came out the other side doing well, but because during the hard times, she really, really, really felt like God had just was mad at her, that God had done all these things to her. And I think it's good for us to see that, because sometimes we think, boy, you know, I, I know I'm not supposed to blame God, but it sure seems like he's to blame for all this stuff going on in my life. And sometimes we feel like it's not okay to think that, or it's not okay to feel that way. Uh, but as we're going to see, Naomi really did uh, feel that way. If you've got your Bibles, look, look with me at uh, Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. Now, this, this takes place about 1,100 years uh, before Christ. And, and the reason it says in the days when judges ruled in Israel, uh, there's no king at this point. So that literally judges were in charge of the, the nation of Israel, no king at this point. And there's a severe famine. And, and that's especially significant because this was, this was a, an agricultural uh, nation. This was a group of people that at this point, most Israelites were responsible for their own food. They, they grew it. They raised their own animals for food. They grew their own crops. That's how they lived. And without that ability to be able to keep their livestock alive, without that ability to be able to grow crops, they weren't going to be able to eat. They weren't going to have any money. They weren't going to have anything at all. And, you know, in the area that they were living in, uh, in Bethlehem, it, it wouldn't take too long of there being no rain 
for there to be a massive drought that would cause this kind of famine. And so there's a severe famine. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home, went to live in the country of Moab, took his wife and his two sons with him. Famine at that point, and some people still view it that way today, was viewed as caused by God. It was viewed as if, if a nation, and this is the, the Israelites, these are God's people. And so if there was a famine, the view was God is doing this to us. Maybe it was to punish us. You know, God is causing this famine. And so here they are, God's people uh, going through a severe famine, nothing to eat, and the logical uh, perspective for them to have would have been this is God's fault. God is doing this to us. Uh, so this guy, his wife, his kids, they, they pick up and move uh, to another country. Have you ever had to move because of employment? Have you ever had to leave one place and move somewhere else for a job? I have. I, I think probably most of us have. And and depending on your circumstances, that could be a really exciting thing, right? Like maybe it's the job. Maybe you got out of school and it's the job you want. Or maybe you've been working at something and finally something opens up and it's just, if you could name the dream job and the dream place, that is it. And you're excited about the opportunity to be able to go uh, somewhere else. But if you've ever had to move for employment, not because it was some exciting opportunity, but you had to move because... It's dried up. You, you know, you, you can't find a job. You can't earn a living anymore, and, and you don't know what else you're going to do. And so you move out of desperation just to find some place where you can get stable work. If that's been the case, when you've had to move, not because you wanted to and it was exciting, but because you had to, and there was literally no other opportunity, no other job to be had, you, you know how frustrating that is, how, how discouraging that is. And especially if any of you ever had to move away from family, like like you had a place that really was home and that's where your family was and you had to move away, that's especially hard. Because then not just are you leaving, you know, a job or not just are you leaving your house, you're leaving everything that's close to you, everything that's near and dear to you. So how would you feel? Especially how would you feel if you were the wife and the mother, which is who Naomi was. All of a sudden, we got to move. We're starving to death. We're probably going to die if we stay here. We don't have to move because there's some new big job opening. It's not because my husband got a new job. It's because we got to get out of here. There's nothing here, and we don't know what's there, but we're going to go. And, and so imagine how you would feel if you were Naomi. I've, I'm trying to raise these kids. Now I got to take them someplace, and I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what to take. I don't know what they're going to need. I've never been there before. Don't know what to expect. Verse 2 gives us a little more information. The, the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their sons were Malon and Kilion. And they created a, a synthetic material called nylon. These are the guys that, that invented it. it. It doesn't mention it there, but these are the guys that invented it. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Now, not only does this family move for bad reasons, severe famine, not only do they move, 
they're moving out of God's place, Bethlehem, a little town of Bethlehem, not Bethlehem. They're having to leave there to go to Moab. They're God's people having to leave God's place and go to Moab. Moab was not God's place. Uh, Moab was a cursed country. The Moabites were cursed by God. They, they worshipped false gods. They were pagans. They worshipped false gods. They had treated God's people so badly back in the, in the wilderness that God said, back in Deuteronomy 26, God says, no Moabites are even allowed to walk into our church, into our assembly. He said, that's how bad those people are. I don't even want them to walk in to our assembly. And so here are these pagans. Here is this you know, cursed nation. So not only is Naomi and her husband and her two kids having to move out of desperation, they're having to move to a bad place, not a good place. It's not like, okay, we don't want to move to Georgia, but, you know, they got some really good peaches, there's some really good restaurants in Georgia. Okay, no, it's not that. It's not that at all. It's we're having to pick up and move to a place that we would never even want to visit. We would never even want to go on vacation there. We, we don't, not only do we not know what it's like, we know we don't want to know what it's like. We know we don't want to know those people. We know we don't believe what they believe. We know they're, they're like our enemies. They've always been the enemies of God's people. And, and that's where we're going. How would you feel then? And it gets even worse. It says... When they reached Moab, they settled there. So it wasn't just like, okay, let's go to Moab and we'll just hang out and we'll try to get enough to eat and keep going until we can move back. No, it says they settled there. It wasn't passing through to go to some other place that was better. It wasn't a temporary plan. They didn't know what would happen with the famine. They didn't know how many years it might last. And so they settled there. They actually had to sink roots into this strange place filled with these strange people who believed things that were the complete opposite of what they believed, whose values were completely different than their values. How would you feel towards God at that point? Look at verse 3. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. It's just getting worse. Severe famine, that's bad. Have to move, that's bad. Have to move to a pagan nation, that's really bad. Then, Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. Any of you ever been a single parent, even for a season in life? God bless you. I mean, I parenting is hard. Single parenting is so much harder. So much harder. Whether you've been a single mom or a single dad, you know that it's super, super hard. Or maybe you were raised by a single parent and you know how hard your mom or your dad worked to raise you and provide things for you. And so it's really, really, really hard. And even harder, this is a single mom in a very, very male-dominated culture. So it's not like, okay, single mom, I'll, you know, I'll put the kids in daycare and I'm going to go get a job in the corporate world. No, she was in a world where it'd be hard for her to get any kind of a job, to find any way to support her kids. So now she's been uprooted. She's left her home, left her family, taken her husband, taken her kids to a strange place, place she probably never even wanted to go. Now she's there and her husband dies. 
verse 4, the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah. Uh, she later just changed the letters in her name and, as you know, became very famous on the television talk show host. And the other was a woman named Ruth. So finally things are starting to look up. Okay, this was bad. Famine, bad. Move, bad. Move to a bad place, really bad. Lose your husband, even worse. But, but, my boys have grown up and they've gotten married. No, they didn't marry Israelite girls. No, they didn't marry girls who believed in God. No, there's going to be challenges there, going to be problems there. But at least they got married. They seem like nice girls. Hopefully things are going to look up. Things are going to be better. Look at the rest of verse 4. But about 10 years later, verse 5, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. If you walked in here this morning thinking, I can't, but it just seems like one thing after another, after another, I keep going through stuff. Man, put, your, put yourself in Naomi's shoes. Imagine how she felt now. Wait a minute. I'm a child of God. My parents, my great parents, we've always been believers. We've always been faithful to God. Now, we have to leave our homeland because of this famine. Then we've got to move to be among these pagans. Then my husband dies. Now, my sons have died. Not one, but they both died. You know what's hard for us sometimes when we read the Bible? Have you, ever, have you ever felt like, when you, especially when you're going through hard times, you ever notice how really good times fly by? Like things are going good. Whew, I can't believe a year's gone. It was a great year. When things are going bad, have you ever noticed like the clock stops moving? When things are going bad, it's like, oh my goodness, am I going to get through one more day, one more week, one more month? It just seems like when things are going bad, everything's in slow motion and the misery just seems to take longer and longer and longer. Well, we just read about a woman, severe famine, move with her husband and kids, settle in a strange land, lose her husband, lose her sons, and look at what verse we're at. We've been through five verses, five verses in the Bible. All that has happened. This, this, and it wasn't a short period. All, obviously, the boys grew up, got married. But five verses, just this one little glimpse, and we've seen so much tragedy in this poor woman's life. So let's look at verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab, that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. Verse 7, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she'd been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But, verse 8, on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's home. Now notice these next few words. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. After all her problems, all her tragedy, 
all of her disappointments, she still spoke God's blessing into other people's lives. I don't know about you, but my natural tendency is, if I'm miserable, I want everybody to be miserable. If I'm feeling bad, oh, you think you're feeling bad. What do I tell you how bad I'm feeling? I mean, it, when we're going through hard stuff, it, it's kind of natural for us to kind of want to drag other people down. She wasn't like that, was she? She wasn't like that. Here, she's gone through tragedy, 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 tragedy. And what does she do to her daughter-in-laws? She gives them blessings, blessings. May the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and me. May the Lord bless you with another marriage. She kissed them goodbye. Wednesday night, we'll look at, at the dialogue that, that took place from that point on, the next, the next few verses as, as uh, Naomi and Ruth talk, and, and Ruth ends up deciding, no, I'm going to stay with you. Orpah went back but back home, but Naomi said, no, nope. I mean, Ruth said, no, nope. I'm going to stick with you. And, and just amazing things that happened as a result of that. One of them is, Ruth, how many women have their own books of the Bible? Not many. Ruth does. How many women are in the lineage of Christ? Ruth is. I mean, just amazing things that, that we're going to see Wednesday night about Ruth. Because during her time with Naomi, we don't know at what point that she became a believer in God, but she did. She, she became a, a follower of God. She became faithful to God and faithful to Naomi. And so we'll, we'll look at that Wednesday night. But uh, uh, this morning... Uh, just want you to know that you know she ended up going. She didn't. She didn't do what Naomi said. She goes, no, nope, I'm going to stick with you. And and let's drop down to verse uh, 19 now. So the two of them. So now it's just Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth. The two of them continued on their journey. So it's been one tragedy after another. But now Naomi's heading home. And she's at least got a daughter-in-law going with her. They continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi, the Bible asked? You know, and sometimes we read things in the Bible and we just assume because it's a few verses, it's a short period of time. We know how many years later this was. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was years and years and years. I mean, these boys grew up. They got married. They died. It was 10 years in there that we know. I mean, a long, long time could have passed. And so finally she's getting to go back home. The entire town was excited by their arrival. Have you ever moved back home? I mean, we talk about what it's like to move away, but move back home. Just like moving away, if it's for a promotion, if it's for some great opportunity, it's exciting. If it's moving away because there's no other options, it can be really hard. Same thing with moving back home. If you're moving back home because it's your triumphant return to your homeland, you've gone and conquered the world, and now you're moving back home, that can be exciting. But most people move back home not because it was exciting and they're returning in victory. Most people move back home because there's just been some kind of tragedy and they have to move back home. Imagine how she felt 
she's going home. She's glad about that. But what if I got to tell people? I mean, have you ever gone to a class reunion? Everybody wants to go back to a class reunion. If you ever see a class reunion on, on TV or some movie, you know, it's always like, here's the guy that now owns five million businesses and has succeeded at everything. And, you know, here's the guy that's been in jail the whole time. And here's the guy, you know. You want to be the guy that returns and goes, yes, I've conquered the world. Look at all the things I've done. Look at all my great accomplishments. Accomplishments. Naomi can't, can't do that. And, and we don't know about these people that are all excited. Did, did they stay? Did they stick out the famine? Did they somehow make it through and, and, and they're still there? Uh, are they maybe some that said you should stay too? They're excited to see her and that's a good thing. But, you know, here she comes back. Not knowing what to expect. How much has changed back home? She didn't know. So people are excited. That's a good thing. But then look at verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and go, Is it? Randy, is that you? Man, I haven't seen you for a long time. Randy, and, and so here she comes, and people are excited. Naomi, is, is that you? Is that, is that really? Valerie, do you recognize that lady? Is that Naomi? She's back after all these years? Oh, I hope it is. I'm excited. Naomi, is that you? Naomi goes, yeah, but... My name doesn't really work anymore. Because the word Naomi means pleasant, happy. Things are good. That's what the name means. She goes, yeah, don't call me that anymore. And it's not because she got a nickname. It's because she said, my name just doesn't match my life anymore. Call me Mara. What does Mara mean? The opposite of pleasant. It means bitter. It means miserable. She said, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me miserable. Call me Mara. Why? For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. God did it. God has made life miserable for me. Have you ever had somebody that tried to make your life miserable? Have you ever said those words about somebody? You know, it could be an ex, it could be a former boss, it could be a co-worker, you know, somebody. He's trying to make my life miserable. He's trying to make life miserable for me. That guy, he won't stop. He's trying to make life miserable for me. That's what Naomi said about God. God, the Almighty, has made life very bitter for me. Look at verse 21. I went away full. I had a husband. I had kids. I had hope. I had a future. My kids were going to grow up and have grandkids. It was all going to be good. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? I had everything. God took it all away. I had everything. Now I got nothing. 
I was full. Now I'm empty. And God did it. God did it. He brought me home empty. He's made life bitter for me. He's made me suffer. And he sent tragedy upon me. Those are the very honest words of a very normal woman who hit rock bottom. Hit rock bottom. This was a woman of faith. This was a woman who who spoke blessings to her daughter-in-laws. But here, she's just being honest. She's just saying, you know what? All this terrible stuff happened. God did it. It's God's fault. Verse 2, Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. So here's this woman. Now, she wasn't a miserable woman. She wasn't a miserable person to be around. She wasn't whiny. She wasn't a complainer. You know how I know that? Because her daughter-in-law still wanted to be with her. Her daughter-in-law had a choice. She said, go home to your families. Have another husband. Her daughter-in-law said, I'm sticking with you. A daughter-in-law wouldn't do that. If you were all, all she ever does is complain. All she ever does. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't, wouldn't hang around her, would you? But Ruth stuck with her. So it wasn't her personality. It wasn't her attitude that was just miserable. I want to make everybody else miserable. No. She blessed them. She tried to stay positive, but tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Finally, she just lets it all out. She just lets it all out, and she says, Look, God did all this stuff to me. All these terrible things have happened. God did all of these things to me. So they get back. Now, you know, if you leave, you come home with nothing. Who knows what was left there? You know, it's not like, well, let's go back to the old family homestead. I mean, have any of you been to any of the old plantations in Charleston, South Carolina? They're just amazing. There's, I don't know how many different old plantations are still around there. There's only one that's still operating, and it's amazing. Middleton? The Middleton Plantation. You'll see it in movies and Civil War things. The Middleton Plantation. I, I mentioned to you once that, that, that we got to take a tour there inside the old house. And there's no lights in the house. They don't allow any lights, no photography. Nothing that could uh, degrade the contents. Because it's the original contents. And inside this one little glass case is a handwritten note from President Abraham Lincoln. Saying, please give Mrs. Middleton safe passage as she travels. He's writing it. During the Civil War. So if you were to come back to the Middleton Plantation, it's a cool place. It's an operating plantation. There's like people making stuff. There's people shearing sheep. There's still growing crops. It's a working plantation still. It's a a farm. Beautiful place. But that's the only plantation that's like that. Because the, the others, one that we visited, we think, you know, it might have been the first time we ever went. Oh, we're in Charleston. Let's go see a plantation. They have a tour. They're known for this. Let's go see it. We pull up. You park in the grass. And you start walking across this grass field. 
to this empty house that's just been burned down. I mean, there's just a shell of a house there, you know, there's nothing in it, there's nothing outside, there's no decorations, there's no walkway, there's no, just out in the middle of a field is this, you know, shell of a house left, and you come walking up thinking, this is the tour? That's the way that house was left. Because the Civil War burned down a bunch of stuff, and then there were fires since then that have burned down a bunch of stuff. And, and, and so imagine if that was the house you were coming home to, right? You're coming home, and it's not the working plantation anymore. You're coming home, and it's the empty house that's been burned out. Well, the, she didn't know what she was coming home to. Is my house still my house? Does somebody else live there? I, it's probably not my house anymore. Will, will I know anybody? Have they changed the name of the streets? What's happened? I, I don't know what to expect. But she came back, and they came back at harvest time. Let's fast forward here to chapter 2. Just a couple more verses I want us to look at. Verse 19. So Ruth, it's harvest time. And Ruth goes out, and we'll look at this uh, deeper Wednesday night, but Ruth goes out to do what they call gleaning. Gleaning was, was and still exists some places. It, it, California, you can still do this. Some of the farmers do this to try to help food supply food for food banks and things. Gleaning was if you didn't have a job and you didn't have a farm and you didn't have any crops of your own, you could be allowed, the poor people were allowed to go out after the harvesters, just follow behind them, and anything that was left that they didn't take or they didn't want, you can pick that up. And that could be your food. And you could go home and, and try to provide for your family that way. So Ruth has gone to do this. You know, she's back. She's in a strange place now. And she's trying to just come up with some food for, for she and uh, Naomi. So she goes out and does this. And, and look, at, look at verse 19. Ruth comes home and... And Naomi says, where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked, where did you work? And then notice Naomi's words. And it's not like this is lobster and beef tenderloin. This is some grain, right? This is some barley off the ground. But notice Naomi's words. May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So here's Naomi. One tragedy after another, after another, after another, after another. Finally, she has to come home empty, blames God for all of it, but she didn't lose her faith. She didn't lose her faith. Ruth comes in with some food, and she says, may the Lord bless the one who helped you. She didn't quit believing in God. Oh, she doubted. She blamed God. She was upset because God had done all these things to her, and I get that. But she didn't quit believing. She didn't quit following him. And now... She's giving him credit. Now she's turned from blame to giving, giving him credit. May the Lord bless. And so here was the woman speaking blessing to her daughter-in-laws as they left. Now she's speaking blessing to whoever it was that allowed Ruth to, to glean the fields. And so Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He's showing his kindness to us, as well as to your dead husband, because that man is one of our closest relatives and one of our family redeemers. Isn't it interesting that Naomi said God life made her life bitter, made her suffer, brought her tragedy, 
But now she's giving God credit. How can she do that? How can you turn from blaming God for all these things to giving him credit? It's because even as bad as things got, she didn't lose her faith. She didn't lose her faith. She was hurt. She was upset. She was mad. But she didn't lose her faith. And so she's giving God credit. So what did Naomi get wrong? She blamed God. She didn't understand the difference between what God allows versus what God causes. And we struggle with that today. This is why a lot of people say they don't want to believe in God. How could God, and then they'll list off some terrible thing that happens in the world. Well, God doesn't do those things. God allows those things. And we would say, well, why does God allow those things? For the same reason he allows you and I to make bad choices every day. He allows us the freedom to make decisions, to make choices. Does he want us to make good choices? Always. Does he allow us to make bad choices? Yes. Does he allow bad things to happen? Yes. He created this perfect place. He created this perfect world. We disobeyed. And now the world we live in, like we talked about last week, is broken. It's broken. It's not God's fault. He didn't break it. But he's allowed it. And so she misunderstood the difference with tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. God didn't kill her husband. God didn't kill her sons. But God allowed them. And we don't even know how they died. But God allowed them to die. When we're going through one tragedy after another, after another, after another, we need to remember it. God's not doing that to us. So that's what she got wrong was she blamed God. She didn't understand the difference between God causing versus God allowing. But you know what she got right? She didn't lose faith. Even through all that, I would understand if she lost faith. I would understand that she would say, listen, my family, my family's family, my family's family, family. We've always been faithful to God. And now look at what he's done to us. Forget it. I am not following this God again. I don't even believe him anymore. That's it for me. I'm out of here. She didn't do that. She didn't do that. She didn't lose faith. Tragedy after tragedy. After tragedy, she didn't lose faith. A couple of weeks ago when Valerie and I were talking about this series, I said, I said, who are some people that come to your mind? You know, there's so many people in the Bible that went through hard time after hard time after hard time. I said, you know, how to get through what you're going through. Who's somebody that comes to your mind? And Valerie said, Naomi. You know, she had to go to a pagan land, her sons married pagan wives, she lost her husband, she lost her sons, all those things. And so I go back and I start reading the story of Naomi. I'm like, well, this isn't a good example. She lost everything, but she blamed God for all of it. This isn't a good example. This isn't this woman of faith that after her husband died said, oh, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, I've lost my sons now. Oh, but blessed be the name of the Lord. No. She felt just like you and I. With doubts and frustrations. She felt just like you and I feel sometimes. And she blamed God just like you and I want to blame God sometimes. But she didn't lose faith. And I read back through the story. Several days in a row, I read through this story. And finally, I said to Valerie, 
What was your point in thinking this was a good, <laughs> a good example? What's the, you know, I wrote down as I was outlining this scripture, uh, uh, I, I, I outlined it all and I wrote in my own notes, what's the point? What's the main point here? If she's, you know, she's blaming God and saying he caused all this, 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 this. What's the point? And then I read through it one more time and it hit me. She didn't turn away from God. She didn't turn away from God. She didn't lose her faith. Some of you are going through all this kind of stuff right now. We've got other people in our church going through this kind of stuff right now. There's no worse way as a pastor to spend your Saturday evening than visiting a child from your church in circles of care. That's where I was last night. Life is messy. Life is hard and messy, and then we make bad choices that make it far worse. That make it far worse. You're either going through stuff like this right now. Somebody you love, care about, is going through one tragedy after another right now. Or like we talked about last week, there's going to be some tragedy at some point in the future. It's okay to get upset. It's okay to be discouraged, but don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. God's not mad at you and he's not punishing you. Don't lose your faith. Don't turn away from God. I don't know about you, but I've turned everywhere else. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. He's it. He's it. I want to pray right now.